This is Wayne in Basildon from the UK. And I would rather headbutt acid-tipped javelins than listen to that ginger ogre Jesse Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. This 336th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host once again to your chagrin, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, that lovely champion of song pop, my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page, everybody. Listen, we know that people <laughs> don't want to hear about this. Again. However, I think we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it <laughs> because one of the greatest things ever happened to me. Okay, One of the greatest things ever? Yes. Did you get some kind of a, a scholarship where your PhD is going to be paid for? It's better than that. Did someone give you a new car? It's better than that. It's better than that. Yeah. Well, I, I can't even imagine. Okay, so Did someone... Did you find out that Jesus is real? No. Not that good. I didn't. And I don't know where to place that on the continuum of... <laughs> uh, that one has confused me, sir. All um, right. So... So what is this monumental discovery yeah. or, or gift that you've yeah, okay, been given? So I, well, let me get to it. What has happened? I received a message from someone. And a they message. said, yes, they said, I'm playing song pop against someone named Brittany P. But I just realized it says New York. Is that not you? And I said, oh, let me I, guess. Can I guess? Yeah. No, you can't guess because don't give it away. <laughs> I said, uh, no, I don't live in New York. So my profile should say that I live, you know, somewhere in California. And they said, I was so proud. I'm winning handily. So this whole time they thought they were playing me beating my ass and, and then they were like, wait a minute, why am I beating her ass? And they went to check. And some Britney P in New York is trying to ruin my reputation. Some imposter. Yes. She's trying to ruin your reputation. Yes. It's not that she, her name is like Britney Papadaka or whatever. You couldn't even like just go with a name? That I you couldn't know? think of one. Yeah. All right. What what name? What Name a P, another P name. Quickly. Quickly. Palmer. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Way better. Yep. It's like Billy on the street. Has anybody out there seen Billy on the street? Are you asking that? It's Billy Eichner. It's a great show. And he'll walk up to somebody and say, name a woman. Name a woman. And, <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, oh, name a woman. Um, um, um. Yeah. Or he'll say, name a white person. And then they, they're they all stressed out. They can't do it. Yeah. It's awesome. It is awesome. But I was very proud of this so moment. I, I did that just now. I couldn't think of an, another name that ends in P. Well, that's fine. Poop. We forget. No. <laughs> Come on. So that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Well, it was that pretty someone good. thought they were playing you and crushing you. Yeah. In song pop. Yeah. And it ended up being some other, as you would call them, 
imposter. Yes. Well, we found one another. And the Britney P, this other Britney P. No, this person. They found me. Oh, and through a search. Well, whatever. And <laughs> the winning is coming from my direction now. Oh, you the mean way it should be after they kicked the imposter Britney P's ass. Yes. Then you guys actually connected. Correct. And now you're you're smashing skulls. Well, I don't know. He you're might still ass and taking names. He as might they still say. be playing the other Britney P because he needs to feel good about you know, beating someone, I'm assuming. So, so, so it's a, a, a handily, there's not a lot of competition. There, uh, the some tables pe- have turned. Again, we don't need to get into it. Just real good. We don't need to enough. get into it. Yeah. We spent four minutes and 44 seconds talking about we it. We don't need to do an accounting for how much time has been spent. It's, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Just accept it. That oh, everyone has accepted it. Brittany okay. Page. All right. Everyone has accepted mm-hmm. it. All right. Let's let's move on, and uh, let's get to some voicemails. <laughs> okay. We talked last time about DACA, the the now maybe rescinded, maybe not rescinded program mm-hmm. uh, surrounding Dreamers, children, people, adults. And children who were brought here as children by their parents, undocumented. And we have some people who would like to sound off about that. How are you doing? This is Tony from Texas. Uh, just a, uh, just a truck driver going down the road listening to you. I heard uh, you were talking about why uh, he would be Donald Trump would be. Uh, putting forth this DACA, trying to get it taken taken out. Um, you stated that it was to appease, I guess, his uh, you know white supremacists and, and all that. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure there's got to be some truth to that. But that that doesn't look like that's the big picture, does it? I mean, once again, I'm just a trucker, but wouldn't it more so be? Uh, Looking forward for the you know Congress to to have something in their back pocket to push to get that that vote uh, during the midterms next year. Um, if they were to pass it, Trump you know can push that and say, hey, you know you, you pass this, you allow these these kids and these uh, you know servicemen to stay and prosper. Well, that, that gives them that vote. That, that gets them extra vote. If they're not to pass it, now the Democrats get into office, and they're going to pass it anyway. So I would think it would be more towards that and, and less towards look saving face with the white supremacist. I mean, we all know he's a fucking white supremacist uh, shitbag, but <laughs> I, I think it's more political and less uh, racial divide. Uh, Brittany's the best part. Thanks. Uh, have a good day. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, I, I would say this, Tony. Um, I disagree with you, but not vehemently. And the reason I disagree is because Donald Trump, and we're going to get to this right when we launch into Dalamocracy, but Donald Trump, if he wanted this done... He could have said, I support DACA 
and I want this to happen, and I want Congress to follow my agenda. I would like them to make a path for citizenship for these dreamers. He didn't do that. He sent his attorney general out to say that we're going to rescind it. It's being rescinded. And then the guidance that was sent from the Homeland Security Department to Congress was to, hey, listen, we need to let these people know, these dreamers, that they've got six months. And in that time, they should spend it planning for their departure, figuring out what they're going to do when they land in the country they know nothing about. They have no real connection to. So if Donald Trump really wanted this to be a political win at the hands of Congress to pass this, he would have said, my heart is huge. I know I've been the Grinch up to this point, but it is swollen three times its size or whatever the fuck Sue says about it. And he would have directed them to do that. He didn't do that. Instead, he sent out the Keebler elf, the hate monger, the voter suppression asshole, Jeff Sessions, to speak how it's uh, rescinded. Yeah. I I do want to say, uh, as it relates to nothing having to do with DACA, um, <laughs> that we do love our truck driver listeners. Yeah, I was going to, I wrote that down. I said, just a trucker. Yeah. Just a tr- Come on now. No. I'm not even a trucker and I have these dumb thoughts falling out of my head. You're, you're no more, no less worthy of, of a political thought than our goddamn president. <laughs> well, and we, we love hearing from our truck drivers because we, we have uh, several listeners who are truck drivers and, you know, that's a tough job. Always driving and dealing with assholes on the road. I so, could not do it. Yeah. So thank you. We're happy both. to have you. Thank you both for the voicemail and for your listenership, Tony. We appreciate you very much. All right, let's move on. A little bit more local here. Not Texas, but Jen in Southern California talking about the same topic. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jen from Long Beach calling in. Um, I wanted to talk about the DACA act that Trump repealed and... I'm having very conflicting feelings about it. On the first hand, I myself am an immigrant from Nigeria who came here when she was seven, not because I wanted to, but because my parents decided for me. Because, you know, I'm seven, I don't have a choice. Same thing with the dreamers who were here. They were brought here without their consent. So it's not fair to kick them out because this is the only country they know. But on the other hand, I can see how people who are against the undocumented, whether it be Republicans, Democrats, independents, it's all across the board, honestly. And I get how they're angry about that because these parents are using their children to come here and stay here because, oh, my child was born here or, oh, my child is very young. I can't leave and abandon my kid, which I get. But at the same time, though, People are angry that how dare you come into my home without being invited. Even if you paid my rent and paid my bills and did all these things for me and you demanded that I treat you with 
the same equality that I would give citizens, you're technically still not a citizen. So why should I give you the same due as I would someone who was born here? I get both sides. I truly do. Especially, as I said, as an immigrant myself, I, I, can't, I definitely get it. But the way we're going about it now in this country is not going to, it's not helpful at all. Because yesterday Obama said it's okay. Today Trump said it's not. Tomorrow another Democrat will say it's okay. And then the next year another Republican says it's not. And we're just living in this perpetual limbo of will it, won't it. And it's not fair to both dreamers and U.S. citizens, and the undocumented, and everyone else. It's not fair. So what do you guys think would be the best course of action to take? My personal opinion is we need to definitely overhaul the way this country gives out visas, because I've known people who've waited for about 11 years and still haven't even gotten a green card, so that's completely horrible. I would love to hear your thoughts. You guys are always the best part. Thank you. Well, first, before I start disagreeing with you, Jen, let me say thank you for the voicemail. And I do appreciate a little different perspective, especially coming from someone who is an immigrant yeah. to this country. Now, let me disagree. It sounds to me... Like, in my ears, what I'm hearing is an immigrant. All right, let me rephrase. What I hear what I hear there is, my family and me, we did it the right way. We did it the legal way. And why are these immigrants not doing it the right way? These other, this other group. They didn't do it the way we did it. They did it a different way, and they're getting the same treatment I'm getting. That might be wrong, but that's what's banging around inside my head. Let me clear up a couple things. Related or unrelated to what you were talking about. One, Doc, is more about the adults than the children. We're talking about a group of people who have jobs, 91% of which have jobs. They pay taxes. They pay into Social Security. They do not have criminal records. They have to pass a background check. They have all graduated high school or have a GD, and a large percentage of them are in college or have graduated college. These aren't migrant workers. Not to malign those who do a very critically important job as it relates to our economy. But these are people who were brought here of no consequence of, of their own making. If I'm an undocumented immigrant or an illegal alien, if you like that phrase better, and I drag with me my two-year-old kid across the border... What crime have they committed? What wrong have they committed against the United States? 
Well, also, a lot of these people may not even know that they were brought here illegally until they tried to get a driver's license, until they That's tried right. to get a job. And then they say, you know, where is my social security number? Where are these things that I need? And oh, they think they're legal. They think they're an American. Right. And so, I mean, it's it's a difficult position that they are in, obviously. Right. So DACA is not about parents trying to stay in the country because, oh, my kid, my kid, my kid. DACA is only about the dreamers, the actual people who were brought here against their decision to break the law, having no part of that. This isn't about the parents. If you're a 30-year-old guy who was brought here at six years old, we're talking about the 30-year-old guy, not the 60-year-old parents, not the 50-year-old parents. Donald Trump, they're likely going to get deported. We're talking about a protection for a segment of undocumented immigrant. Maybe, I don't know, was I being harsh to Jen about the, the two classes of immigrants? I hear that all the time. And it, look, I know Jen, Jen's called in before, and you're, I know you're not hateful. I know you're not shitty, but I think a little bit more empathy and compassion for these people who had no choice in the matter, who got dragged along with their parents at a very young age. Well, I read this quote in a New York Times article about this, and uh, Dan Stein, the president of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, who supports Trump's decision said, quote, you're essentially allowing parents to pass on to their children the benefits that they broke the law to obtain. And I think this is just look, there's a conversation to be had there. Well, but that guy's a dick. Yeah, Maybe that's the conversation I mean, to be had. <laughs> uh, as as someone who comes from parents that, um, you know, are not great. <laughs> I don't want to be punished for things that my parents have done. Well, also, I'm my own person because of the lock of geography. You're an American. These people are contributing to the goddamn system. Well, and it's I, I don't understand these arguments of that that really lack compassion because you're punishing a kid that didn't like Jen said she she said this. They didn't choose to do it. Even she said she didn't choose to come here. Right. right. So she's admitting that. And I think that 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 really is something to focus on when we have this conversation. Yeah. As always, agree or disagree, we love you guys. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Even if I, you know, take a little squat and take a dump on your opinion. Is that what happened? No, I'm just making a joke. I still, we, we love you guys. If you too out there in audience land, is audience land a place? Yep. Oh, we have an email. Yes, I'm we do. getting the, hey, shut the fuck up before you give the phone number. We have an email face. We do. That's a face, everybody. Hey, guys. Recent listener, first-time emailer. I'm actually a new podcast listener altogether. I get so excited when I see that I have a new podcast from you guys. I currently only subscribe to yours. I stumbled upon Jesse nice. on, <laughs> on YouTube. Real, real nice. On YouTube via our mutual disdain for Tommy nice. Laren. I love your show, both on YouTube and the so podcast. So excited about the days the I get the notification on my podcast app are a little brighter. So thank you for that. You're just barreling on through. On yesterday's episode, <laughs> number 335, Brittany asked for comments on any podcast. So I have question. I have a question slash comment about something mentioned in episode 332. The Mattis speech to the young troops. 
I don't see how you took what he said as a Trump diss. I think you guys were reaching there. Pause. Jesse was reaching. I don't think it helps our Did argument. Did she say pause? Jesse was reaching? No, that was me. Oh, that was Brittany. Back to the email. All right. I don't. Well, I don't like being lumped with you because you can say whatever you want to say. But Keep I. and you're going to get a lump. All, all right. right. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Chill. I think you guys were reaching there. I don't think it helps our argument at all when we trist words and assume Mattis is indirectly referring to Trump when he could have just meant what he said. Trump is a huge asshole and doesn't need any assistance in that department. His that words, is our president. His words and <laughs> actions are enough proof that we're in deep shit until he leaves office. You guys are great. And although I enjoy Brittany immensely, I think Jesse's the best part. Oh, Jen. how dare me? Maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Maybe I am uh, making assumptions that I shouldn't. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jen has never served in the United States military. I don't know if you know, Jen, but I was in the United States Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine. <laughs> Everybody. Ah, <laughs> oh, it feels good to get that off my chest for the very first time on the show. Um, and the reason I say that it seems like a diss to Trump for me is because I've been around senior leadership of the military. I've been around flag officers. I've been around generals and colonels and lieutenant colonels, majors. I've been around secretaries of defense. And they don't talk like that. They don't talk in a manner that divides them and us. That our country right now and our leadership needs to get it together. And that soon, as soon as the country stops being so furiously divided... Uh, until that happens, we need to stand strong. You, the front lines, don't get divided. Don't, don't fall into this politics. We're here as military members. We have a job to do, and we're going to do it. Maybe it was just when I was in, but there wasn't this them and us, them and us kind of a talk. Of course, there was we are the war fighters. We bring violence to the enemy. There was all kinds of talk like that. But there wasn't a... There's two Americas. The, the, the America that the political class is burgeoning. And then there's the military. We don't have problems like they do in the, in the, in the civilian world. I didn't hear a lot of that. Granted, I've been out for a little while. But uh, I just disagree. I'd love to know what other listeners say. Now, can I drop the phone number? Yes. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love to hear what you think. All right. Now, as a part of follow-up, let's talk about Joel Osteen. We, we have done a lot of Joel Osteen talk over the course of the last several episodes with uh, Hurricane Harvey in the aftermath. Because and the of all up. the great compassion and the immediate opening of that the church. That is right. The open Christianness that he, he displayed. Mm -hmm. Well, he is back behind the pulpit giving one of his Joel Osteen smiley sermons and he said some ridiculous shit. Jesus woke up and he spoke to the storm and everything calmed down. 
What's interesting is Jesus knew there was going to be a storm before they left that night. He's God. He knows everything. Why did he tell them, let's go to the other side, if he knew there was going to be a hurricane, a major storm? Because he also knew that storm could not keep them from their destiny. He knew there would be difficulties in the middle, but when he declares we're going to the other side, all the forces of darkness cannot stop him. He's going to make it to the other side. In the same way, when God puts a promise in your heart, when he speaks into your destiny, you don't have to be moved by the winds, worried by the storms, upset and panicked because there's a few hurricanes along the journey. God is in control of the universe. What he's spoken over your life will come to pass. And the reason Jesus didn't wake up on his own in the middle of that storm is because he knew the disciples could handle it. If they were all going to die, he would have gotten up without them having to wake him up. When we're in a storm, a lot of times we do like Peter. We get all upset, panic. God, you got to help me. God, you got to fix this right now. The reason it may seem like God is not waking up is not because he's ignoring you, not because he's uninterested. It's because he knows you can handle it. Yeah. He wouldn't have allowed that storm if it was going to sink you. Now quit being upset over something you can handle. Quit worrying about that situation at work. God is not ignoring you. He knew there'd be a storm before he sent you out. He's not waking up because he's growing you up. He's teaching you to have faith for the middle. If he came running every time we had a difficulty, our spiritual muscles would never develop. We would never really trust him. But when you're calm, despite what comes against you, that's a sign of maturity. That's a sign you have faith for the middle. If God is not turning it around yet, the winds are still blowing, the waves are still rocking, take it as a compliment. That means you can handle it. It's not too much for you. You have the most powerful force in the universe breathing in your direction. And the 70 people who died? Chill. Unbelievable. Well, honestly, no. And the 70 people that died, what is that God rubbing the compliment in their face saying you can't handle it? Or well, it wasn't what? a compliment for them. Right. Because they fucking died. Their life is over and the grief has only begun for their family members who love them and will perpetually miss them because of this hurricane that God... Joel Osteen's God visited upon Houston. This is a disgusting sentiment. Well, I, it, it's making you very angry, obviously. Um, yes. It yeah. makes me very sad because people were cheering for it. And again, I'm sitting here and I'm just I'm thinking of the people that um, died or the people whose lives have been ruined because they have... They didn't have insurance and they didn't have a savings and this has completely wiped out everything and to have some sort of narrative where this is a test of their ability to bounce back. Um, it's a compliment. God knows you can handle it. I mean, that sounds like a nice message for like a motivating message for people who 
can bounce back, right? Who have the ability. But I'm thinking about those people who are in situations where that is very difficult and they don't need any more guilt. Well, think about all the people who are hanging on by a thread anyway. Even without Hurricane Harvey, their life wasn't great. They were worse than living paycheck to paycheck, barely scraping by, trying to stay above water where it relates to everyday life. And then Joel Osteen with his smiley fucking face and this, this, this message of, oh, take it as a compliment that God wouldn't put you through more than you can handle. Except for the people who were put through more than they could handle. He's a disgusting fucking charlatan. Just the way it is. All right. Clear my palate here. And we're going to move on. We got a little... Uh, pew, 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 pew. Well, it's not pew, but that's okay. Right. It's uh, the Public Religion Research Institute. Uh, hang on. You said research, some data. Uh-huh. I just, I like the, I like the drop. Okay. So PRRI, <laughs> Public Research, Public Religion Research Institute. All right. They just released a, a new report and. Do they also think that uh, Joel Osteen is a charlatan shitbag? They are a nonpartisan organization, um, so they don't say things like that. They probably didn't come down that way. Uh, probably not. <laughs> okay, so this report is based on a sample of more than 101,000 Americans from all 50 states, and they collected information about their religious affiliation, denominational ties, political affiliation, and other important demographic attributes. And they published their major findings, which are fascinating. And I was reading a 538 article about this as it relates to how the changing religious demographics will influence political parties going forward. So as it is now, white Christians, traditionally, traditionally a large portion of the Republican base, are declining generally, but also they're aging. So they're older and they are going away because they're Just leaving religion. Attrition. They're leaving the world, well, therefore they're leaving religion. Well, younger white Christians are abandoning their churches, and they are leaving behind middle-aged Christians, middle-aged white Christians, and elderly white Christians. Okay. And those people are going to die soon, yeah. right? Attrition. We'll just... That's a sanitized way to say it. And so that's the... <laughs> well, yeah. So that's the Republican base. So essentially the Republican base is dying off. And there you go. And Democrats have the opposite problem. Their base is becoming increasingly religiously varied. Huh. So that's a problem because it's difficult to create a political message that can apply to people who are religiously unaffiliated, atheists, agnostics, they don't have any religion at all, and people who have some religion. You hmm. need to appeal to both sides. And Bernie Sanders tried to do this when he was running. He, I think he said that he does believe in God, but doesn't subscribe to a religion. Or he was, he was kind of evasive. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of a, well, you got his energy. It's all around us, everybody. He was one of those guys. Yeah. Except he said it like this. 
so he was trying to strike that balance of appealing to the Democratic Party, which is becoming religiously varied. Right. And let's not kid ourselves. Bernie Sanders is an atheist. There's not a fucking chance that guy believes in a god. Well, there All right. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard it from him, but there you go. Uh, so in 2006, white evangelical Protestants made up 37% of the Republican Party. In 2016, it was 35%. So there's not a lot of movement there. But when we look at white evangelical Protestants in the Democratic Party in 2006, it was 17%. Now it's only 8%. Hmm. Okay, so white evangelical Protestants are moving away from the Democratic Party, but still staying in the in the Republican Party, which is typically the Republican Party's base, right? Yeah, that's white their, that's, Christians. That's their wheelhouse. Yes, and... 2016, 26% of the unaffiliated Democrats. And that's up from 9% in 2006. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah. And there's a substantial growth in the unaffiliated, according to this PRRI report as well. But we'll get to that in a second. So white Christians, once the dominant religious group in the U.S., now account for fewer than half of all adults living in the country. Today, fewer than half of all states are majority white Christian. As recently as 2000... Few, fewer than half? Yes. Wow. As recently as 2007, 39 states had majority white Christian populations. Today, only 43% of Americans identify as white and Christian, and only 30% as white and Protestant. In 1976, roughly 8 in 10 Americans identified as white and identified with a Christian denomination, and a majority, 55%, were white Protestants. No wonder this guy is angry. Donald Trump, baby! We got some Hillary bitches on here? Come on, baby! Right, so this perfectly fits with what we're seeing now in these polls where... White people are saying that discrimination against minorities is not a problem, but discrimination against white people is a growing problem. Right. And this kind of perception that they are being targeted. When you've been in dominance and supremacy for so long, when things start to balance out a little bit and equality starts to happen, that feels like oppression to you. That is what these statistics are describing. When eight in 10 Americans... Were, were white Christians in the 70s. And now that number is dramatically different. Well, now you're seeing how that that message that Trump sent throughout his campaign kind of went to the heart of that cultural and racial grievance that white people feel. Yeah. But the thing is, the Republican Party is going to have a hard time continuing with this message. Because, Just based on attrition. Yeah, white Christians are going away. And so Donald Trump is still trying to appeal to that. But again, that's going away. Well, so, we're also now seeing that his numbers are peeling off those 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 Obama-Trump voters, those, those people who voted for Obama in 2012, and then Donald Trump in 2016, they're starting to peel away. That's not good for him. Right. It's so, not good for the Republican Party in general who couldn't find an, a, a, a cogent ideology with two hands and a fucking flashlight. Yeah. So going forward, the Republican Party is going to have to figure out a way to appeal to a more diverse audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was their plan after the Mitt Romney loss. Yeah. When they put their talking points out that we really need to appeal 
to Latinos. Well, soon their quote-unquote plan will need to become reality because they're going to be put in a position where they don't have a choice. Yeah. and It's going to be a tough swing going back the other way, though, after what they adopted and what they've clung to with Donald Trump. Of course. Yeah. And then Democrats have to figure out a way to appeal to the, the large unaffiliated population, which, again, is not just atheists and agnostics. In fact, it's not even mostly atheists and agnostics. Atheists are still a minority in, in terms of the unaffiliated population. It's people who just don't have a religion or choose nothing at all. They might still right. say they believe in God. It's just that they don't it's, have a religion. It's like no party preference for religion. Yes. <laughs> so the Democrats will need to figure out a way to appeal to all those varying religious identities. Yeah. That's awesome. So the other thing I want to talk about is a political science professor, Brian Schaefer, from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He shared some data about Bernie Sanders' primary voters who voted for Donald Trump in the election. So they voted for Bernie in the primary and then for Donald Trump in the general election. That is correct. It can't be that big a number. Well, it was substantial in important states. Yeah. So let's take Michigan, for example. Those people are dicks. Okay. Well. Yeah. Every single one of those people is a dick. Okay. In three critical states, people voting for Sanders in the primary and Trump in the general election far outnumbered Trump's ultimate margins of victory there. So Trump's margin of victory in Michigan, for example, was 10,704. So tight. Sanders primary voters supporting Trump, 47,915. Wow. Wisconsin, Trump's margin of victory, 22,748. Sanders voters supporting Trump, 51,317. Oh, my God. And in Pennsylvania, it's worse. Trump's margin of victory in Pennsylvania, 44,292. And Sanders to Trump voters, 117,000. Are you fucking kidding me? No. So there was something to be said about this Bernie bro thing. These were people who just wanted to throw a fucking monkey wrench into things. They they liked him because he was anti-establishment. They liked Bernie for that. That's not a reason to vote for a candidate, everybody. That is not a reason. That's not a way to lead this country into the future just because you're not part of the establishment. Yeah. Because Hillary Clinton, as flawed as she was as a candidate, was far more capable of leading this nation than Donald Trump. And really, to be honest... Far more capable than Bernie Sanders because she has foreign relations experience, international relations experience, military understanding from a realistic viewpoint than Bernie Sanders. And every single one of those hundreds of thousands of people who switched from Bernie to Trump are fuckers. Every last one of them. So more than one in 10 of those who voted in the primaries for Bernie Sanders ended up voting for a Republican in the general election. Come on. Rather than Hillary Clinton. And he got into what drove these people to vote for Trump. Was it bitterness because of the DNC fucking over Bernie? Well, it's a couple of things. Hmm. It wasn't trade. That was not an issue. Of course not. Um, Why would it be something substantial? 
that we could talk about. So Sanders to Trump voters were much less likely than Sanders Clinton or Sanders third party voters to have been Democrats. So they were not Democrats, typically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Approval of President Obama appeared to be related to this somehow. Sanders and Trump voters approved of Obama much less than other Sanders primary voters. So the people that originally voted for Sanders in the primary went on to vote for Trump, did not approve of Obama as much as other Sanders primary voters. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And then there's race. Nearly half of the Sanders to Trump voters disagree with the idea that white people have advantages. So they're also stupid. Perfect. So when you take the Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, if these Sanders to Trump voters had voted for Clinton or even just not voted on Election Day, those states would have swung to Clinton and she would have 46 more electoral votes, putting her at 278, which is enough to win. So. Wow. This is uh, alarming. A little depressing. I got to be honest. This is based on a lot of ifs. This NPR article that I'm reading gives a breakdown and I'll read it and then you can react to it. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently Um, that's what I'm doing this episode. The counterfactual world in which these voters didn't vote for Trump rests on a few ifs. If the Sanders Trump voters in these three states had defected and if nothing else had happened to somehow take electoral votes from Clinton elsewhere. And if this survey is correct, then yes, Clinton would have won. Some would also argue that if Clinton had campaigned more in so-called blue wall states, she also could have picked up more votes. So that wasn't very compelling. Well, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> not at all. If she, yeah, of course she would have done better had she campaigned uh, more aggressively in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. But they were wrong on their data. They were wrong. Like I said, flawed candidate. She wasn't, she wasn't my choice. I, I, if, I had, if, if I was King Jesse and I got to pick the president... It sure as fuck would not have been Hillary Clinton, especially now reading excerpts of her book where she's blaming everybody else and not herself. And according to this, 12% of Republican primary voters, including 34% of John Kasich voters and 11% of Rubio voters ended up voting for Clinton. So there you go. So those Republican voters are more reasonable than Bernie Sanders voters. I, I look it, it, what this. Well, maybe I want to say something. Maybe I'm angry here because all the Bernie bro talk and how unreasonable Bernie Sanders voters were during the primary. I eschewed. I, I I discarded that information, and maybe I'm a little bothered that I was wrong about what dicks they really were. Because if you go from Bernie Sanders and the ethos that he displayed and he believes in and he talks about, and you vote for a man like Donald Trump, I, I don't get that. That is, does not compute over here. Well, and we were recently talking to people who hate Hillary Clinton and would not liberals yeah would not vote for her yeah i mean hate do you hear the emphasis hatred right (laughs) and they live in california and they said that if their vote had really mattered they would have voted for hillary clinton that's right so because they lived in california they voted third party or whatever 
Um, but if their vote had really mattered and the state wasn't going to go to Clinton for sure, then they would have voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So even these people that hated her were willing to vote for her because they knew what what it meant. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you are someone who doesn't hate us and you think that you're ready to support the show on Patreon, because after all, we are a listener-supported, listener-produced program as jeff session would call it we would love for you to join the patreon family go to dollamore.com on the left hand side of the page there's a link that says support the show it's real easy click that link there's a bunch of ways patreon being the chief among them you could also do some shopping on amazon or you could give a one-time donation through paypal you could also go to dollamore.com slash patreon dollamore.com slash paypal or dollamore.com slash Amazon because it's just that easy. Also, you want to buy a tote or a t-shirt, go to dollamore.info and we are in the process, in the throes, if you will, of developing a contest because Brittany and I have two, count them, two CNN books that are worth 40 bucks a piece that, that it's called unprecedented that talks about the election in 2016 and we're going to develop some kind of a contest where we give those out and uh be waiting for that it's going to be a real real good time Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, in this late edition of Democracy, let's talk about, well, of course, Donald Trump. Um, recently, he had a, a a delegation of members of Congress in the Oval Office, and they were talking about the debt ceiling and budget issues. And his daughter, Ivanka, decided to do a little pop-in, which derailed the conversation, derailed the agenda of what they were speaking about. And according to several staffers who are privy to the matter, Republican lawmakers were very bothered. They were visibly aggrieved at her interference. Well, later that day, Donald Trump was in North Dakota and because the news had been talking about this, he decided to bring her up on stage. And by the way, Ivanka Trump, everybody loves Ivanka. Mm, everybody loves you, baby. Come up, honey. Should I bring Ivanka up? Come up. Sometimes they'll say, you know, he can't be that bad a guy. Look at Ivanka. <laughs> now, come on up, honey. She's so good. She wanted to make the trip. She said, Dad, can I go with you? She actually said, Daddy, can I go with you? I like that, right? Daddy, can I go with you? I said, yes, you can. Where yes, are you going? You North Dakota. I said, oh, I like North Dakota. Hi, honey. Say something, baby. They shook hands, by the way. Hi, North Dakota. <laughs> 
We love this state, so it's always a pleasure oh to be God. back here. You treated us very, very well in November and uh, have continued to. So we like sharing the love back. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Thanks, baby. Come. Mm, had to get a little kiss. Good time. And she means it. Believe mm. me. Believe me. Since she means it, everybody. She means the kiss? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Daddy, can I go with you? I like that, right? Daddy, can I go with you? I said, yes, you can. I think what creeps me out about that is not what creeps you out. That he said, I like that? Oh. Yes, you can. That's what creeps me out. Yeah. Can I go? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. That's just, it's too... It doesn't bother me. Everybody kind of gave a little grief that 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 she called him daddy. One, I think it's a little weird that she has an office in the White House. She's an employee of this administration, and she's calling him daddy. She's also going to be thirty six next month. Uh, so that's a little that's a little weird. But I can I can kind of forego that the creepiness of that. But the yeah, I really like that. I like that she calls me daddy. It's nice. Well, it might be okay if this were a normal person, but he has talked about how he, you know, if she wasn't her daughter, he would be dating her. And we all know what that means. He's not talking about going to get an ice cream cone She's gorgeous. If she wasn't my daughter, I would be fucking her every day. So. Yes, you can. it's, it's, It's disturbing because of the things that he has said about her. And the comments that he's made about yeah. her body and whatever. So, and then it's it's weird listening to her like, haha, you know, North Dakota. And <laughs> I, after he calls her up and with the dad, I just, it's all weird. This whole thing was weird. Listening to this makes me cringe. I don't yes, know. Yes, you can. Yeah, it's, no. Daddy, can I go with you? I like that, right? Nope. <laughs> Daddy, uh, can you, oh, I like that. It's really nice. Yes, you can. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, let's let's move on. Please, let's move on. So, as I said before, Jeff Sessions came out in Donald Trump's stead and announced that DACA would be rescinded. Remember this. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. So it's being rescinded because it's illegal. It's unconstitutional. We are a nation of laws. We were a nation of we were a nation of compassion, but we're also a nation of laws, y'all. The program. Yeah. It is the program. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. This unilateral executive amnesty, among other things, contributed to a surge of minors at the southern border that yielded terrible humanitarian. So it's it's a matter of humanity. It's a matter of, of compassion, Brittany. That's why we're going to end it, because well, we have this backlog of kids at the southern border. That's what Jeff Sessions would have you believe. When he has fought his entire life to curtail non-white immigration into the country. Well, after they announced this, after Donald Trump cowardly sent his attorney general out to announce this, there was a fucking backfire. There was uproar, including on this program, including right here. 
And hours later, Donald Trump sent out a tweet that kind of backed down from his entire claim of the entire day about the entire DACA program. Just hours after President Trump's attorney general announced the end of DACA, the program that protects nearly 800,000 younger undocumented immigrants brought here by their parents, saying they're illegal aliens taking American jobs. But the president then tweeted overnight, Congress now has six months to legalize DACA. If they can't, I will revisit this issue. ABC senior White House correspondent Cecilia Vega asking the president today, did he suddenly change his mind? In the Oval Office today, we asked President Trump if he's having a change of heart. No second thoughts. But within hours of ending protections for dreamers, that tweet, the president saying he could revisit the decision. And on Air Force One today, he says he is not sending mixed signals. No mixed signal at all. I'd like to see something where we have good border security and we have a great uh, DACA transaction where everybody is happy. I'd like to see a permanent deal. And the president says he thinks that deal is going to happen. So let's get to Cecilia Vega with us live from the White House. And Cecilia, President Trump's own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, called the Dreamers illegal aliens taking those American jobs. But the president now says he wants a permanent deal to protect them. Two very different tones we're hearing here. David, the president today said legislation to protect these dreamers and border security go hand in hand. The question this White House is not yet answering, David, is whether the president would support protection for DACA if this legislation does not contain funding for his border wall. David. All right, Cecilia Vega asking the questions of the White House today. Thank you. And here I am asking questions about whether Donald Trump is attempting to float what is commonly referred to as a trial balloon to see what the public reaction would be against all polling numbers that we had, all indications from public opinion that everyone was okay with this. 89% of Democrats, 75 or so percent of independents, and 69% of Republicans were in favor of DACA, wanted the Dreamers to be supported. But once the the uproar happened, Donald Trump sent that tweet hours later saying, oh, no, I'm just sending this to Congress for them to figure out. Even though he had already dispatched the Keebler elf to talk about the rescinding of the program. Is this a sign that maybe John Kelly, General John Kelly, the, the chief of staff, is having some influence or is this just another bizarre political machination within the the Donald Trump administration it's more of the same right it seems like fucking chaos yeah it does so let's let Jake Tapper with factcheck.org kind of go through what their spin on the facts were related to this program Hey everybody, it's Jake Tapper from CNN State of the Union and factcheck.org and this week we're going to take a look at comments made by President Trump and Attorney General Jeff Sessions when describing the program known as DACA, which stands for Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals. It's an Obama-era program uh, that temporarily uh, offered protections uh, for undocumented immigrants who were brought to the United States uh, when they were children. As you know, uh, Trump and Sessions this week announced uh, that they were rescinding uh, the program. 
Uh, take a listen to how they described it. Let's start with Attorney General Sessions. The DACA program was implemented in 2012 and essentially provided a legal status for recipients for a renewable two-year term, worker authorization, and other benefits, including participation in the Social Security program uh, to 800,000 mostly adult illegal aliens. And President Trump made a similar point when talking uh, during a meeting on tax reform. I have a great heart for the folks we're talking about, a great love for them. And people think in terms of children, but they're really young adults. So is that true, what President Trump and Attorney General Sessions are saying, how they're describing recipients of DACA? Is it true that the recipients are, as Trump said, really young adults, or as Sessions said, quote, 800,000 mostly adult illegal aliens? Yes, that is true. The individuals in question who benefit from DACA, DACA, Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals, are mostly adults and they are undocumented immigrants. But in their descriptions, both the president and the attorney general are leaving out a very important bit of context, which is that these individuals were brought to the United States when they were children through no fault of their own. DACA, which is now in its fifth year, is open to those who are at least 15 years old and no more than 31 years old as of June 15, 2012. To be eligible for DACA, individuals had to prove that they were under the age of 16 when they arrived in the United States and that they had been living in the U.S. continuously since June 15, 2007. A professor at UC San Diego, Tom Wong, oversaw a national survey last month of more than 3,000 DACA holders, and he found that although 98% of them are currently adults over the age of 18, most of them, 54%, were under the age of 7 when they arrived in the United States. In fact, the average age of a DACA recipient when coming to the United States was six and a half. So here's the bottom line, the comments by President Trump and Attorney General Sessions when describing the recipients of DACA are technically true. They are mostly adults, but they leave out such an important part of the context of who these individuals are, that they were brought here as children, that we are judging those statements to be misleading. A reminder to all you politicians out there, you are perfectly entitled to your own opinions, not to your own facts. I'm Jake Tapper for CNN State of the Union and factcheck.org. Well, I'm happy that Jake Tapper was emphasizing the point that I was emphasizing earlier. I didn't even hear that clip, but I feel comforted. As often is the way the sausage is made, Uh, I put the shit together and you're, you know. I feel comforted knowing that (laughs) Jake Tapper also feels that's an important point. What? Me and Jake Tapper. That's great, yeah. We're on the same page. Simpatico. Yeah. Why do you hate the term... The sausage being made so I just, much. I don't appreciate it. I know you don't appreciate it, but why do you hate it? Why does it make you physically cringe? I don't know. It's a good question. You're, you're a hater of the sausage being made. I'm going to have to do some important reflection on this topic because obviously mm. it's really important. All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of important, let's go back. Let's address another Jake Tapper related clip where he talks about, again, we talked about it, where the Justice Department came out and declared that Donald Trump's wiretapping from Obama claims are complete bullshit. 
And here's that. You were probably two or three dark and stormies into Labor Day weekend when late on Friday, the Justice Department quietly acknowledged in a court filing that they, too, could find no evidence for President Trump's wild tweets accusing former President Obama of wiretapping Trump Tower back in March. The Justice Department was responding to a Freedom of Information Act request for evidence backing up the president's claim. But even the president's own Justice Department came up snake eyes on that role. Quote, both FBI and NSD, that's National Security Division of the Justice Department, confirmed that they have no records related to wiretaps as described by the March 4th, 2017 tweets, the filing read. That, of course, supports what then-FBI Director James Comey told Congress also in March. I have no information that supports those tweets, and we have looked carefully inside the FBI. The Department of Justice has asked me to share with you that the answer is the same for the Department of Justice and all its components. The Department has no information that supports those tweets. Friday night document dumps are a time-honored tradition in Washington for administration seeking to put out information so that you don't pay any attention to it. Holiday weekend Friday night document dumps are traditionally when the administration is so embarrassed about the information of our system and checks and balances is mandating that it released. It's doing everything it can to hide it. And make no mistake, this information is embarrassing. It's embarrassing because the president said something that wasn't true at all, and the federal government knew it wasn't true back in March when Comey testified, and your taxpayer dollars keep being used to investigate this fiction. The Trump administration has made any number of attempts to try to force the claim into somewhere near the possibility of a neighborhood of maybe true, saying that the president was actually talking about unmasking requests or leaning on some wild claims by a Fox News contributor who claimed British intelligence did the dirty deed, a statement from which the Fox News News division had to distance itself. But the bottom line is, and always has been, there is no evidence that Donald Trump was wiretapped by Barack Obama. It was and continues to be a lie. And no holiday weekend Friday night document dump is going to cover that up. So who was he talking about over at Fox News? What? What is the name that he cannot name? I know. Over on Fox News. The Fox News News division that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Shep Smith, right? <laughs> yeah, it's for sure. <laughs> it's for sure Shep. Um, I, I wish that there was a way to, you know, people are always talking about or they were always talking about Obama traveling and golfing and being so wasteful uh, yeah. and they're they're so concerned about government resources being wasted and this is why i played this clip and where are we with this because i haven't seen anyone complaining about this except for me on episode 335 except for you i played this so i could Yeah, for that's people me. who are new to the show, that's me. that's supposed to be a horn. I'm tooting my own horn. That's supposed to be the tooting of the own horn. Yeah, tooting a horn. It's very impressive. I was bitching about this on episode 335, and then JTAP. Yeah, he must be an avid listener of mm. the program. Oh yeah, of the program. He loves the program. And uh, he echoed my thoughts. Yeah. So thanks, JTAP. I'm glad we're fighting over JTAP's praise. <laughs> But if he did listen, he would say Britney's the best part. He would for sure say Love that. Show. Yeah. Britney's the best part. Facts. So, so let's let, let, let's wrap on Dollamocracy. We've buried the lead. Let's talk about Donald Trump Jr. finally 
appearing not before an open committee, but before staffers, Senate Intelligence Committee staffers. And don't kid yourself. These aren't like interns. These are lawyers and dedicated employees who are investigators. These are smart. They're with it people. He appeared today in closed session. Next tonight, hear that major headline involving Donald Trump Jr., the president's son, sitting down with Senate investigators, answering questions behind closed doors for hours today. The focus, his meeting with a Russian lawyer during the campaign, set up with the promise of getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. Here's ABC's Mary Bruce. This is the only glimpse of Donald Trump Jr. we got today. Reporters craning for a closer look. But his five-hour meeting with congressional investigators shrouded in secrecy. A prime focus, that Trump Tower meeting during the campaign with a Russian lawyer set up after an acquaintance told Don Jr. the lawyer had dirt on Hillary Clinton. The president's son responded, if it's what you say, I love it. Today, Don Jr. told the committee he took the meeting because to the extent they had information concerning the fitness, character, or qualifications of a presidential candidate, I believed that I should at least hear them out. Don Jr. has described the meeting as par for the course in a political campaign. For me, this was opposition research. He says nothing came of it, and sources say he told investigators there was no collusion, and he never told his father about the meeting. Did Donald Trump Jr. sway some of your concerns? There are still a lot of gaps and a lot of questions to be answered. Don Jr.'s story has been evolving over time, but in a statement, he says he answered every question today and trusts this interview fully satisfied the committee. But lawmakers I've talked with say they want him to appear again, this time in public. David? Mary, thank you. So we all remember the original claim that it was about adoption. No, no, no. The original claim was that there was no meeting. Okay, the original claim about what the meeting was about. That's right. And then the second, you know, that's right. And then the first, let's get it straight. First, no meeting at all. He never met with Russians in the capacity of the campaign. What's a Russian? That's right. I'm so acting like Donald That was Trump in March. Jr. Yeah. And then in July, he said what you just said, which was, oh, Adoptions. yeah, I had a meeting, but oh, yeah, weird. It was, I don't know why I'm doing that. I have no Apparently, idea what you're doing. he is from Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was from the, about the adoption there. Yeah. <laughs> That's Minnesota? <laughs> I guess. Uh, okay. like, I don't know. Yeah. We're at the end of the show. I'm just I'm just throwing it at the wall. Whatever sticks. Yeah. Sticks. Yeah. And then when pressed by the New York Times, they uh-huh. said, hey, listen, we have the emails, Dick. He said, oh, shit. <laughs> Quote, unquote, Maggie Haberman. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. And then he came clean and released in full transparency, like they like to claim. Mm-hmm. Then... He produced the emails revealing to the world that the reason they took the meeting was to get dirt on Hillary Clinton provided by the Russian government. Okay. And now we're here. And we are here. His statement today says that he was seeking information concerning the fitness, character, or qualifications of a presidential candidate. And I mean, where are you going to go for that? You don't have a lot of options. So <laughs> you have to go to the Russians for that. Well, and, who would know better about the fitness and character well, also listen, of a presidential candidate in the United States? If no one is stepping up to give it to you, <laughs> and then a Russian comes along 
and offer so generously offers. You could also just maybe you have rely. to be like yoink. You give me al- that <laughs> yoink. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You could also maybe rely on the American people to decide. No, 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 no. On the fitness no, of no, the no. candidate. He was so concerned, he couldn't keep the concern to himself, you see. And no one else was sharing this concern about the fitness. I know. Well, so you know, he's. He had to go he to was the Russians. Uniquely yeah. qualified. Yes. yes. To vet Hillary Clinton. Yes. I mean, it wasn't like she was not coughing and then there were. She, her death was imminent, Brittany. They needed to know. Yeah, he was really concerned. I mean, he, it's he's doing America a favor. He's a patriotic soul. Yeah. God bless America. <laughs> I'm doing a salute while I'm singing. Yeah. Glad that I love. You're not going to sing? I'm not. Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> Goddamn. It's the asshole of today. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Yeah, so... Neighbor to the show. Okay. He is <laughs> uh, Kim Jong-un's best friend. And Donald Trump's. Has he said that? He's best friends with Donald Trump? Well, I think he he knows unique... No other American... No other, this is true, mm-hmm. no other American knows Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un as individuals better than former Chicago Bull, Dennis Rodman. Okay. Well, he goes to North Korea often. At least once a year for the last couple of years. More than people should be going to North Korea. At he the goes to invite North Korea. Yeah. Um, of haircut. Kim Jong-un. Right. And they share a lot in common. Uh, they love sports. <laughs> <laughs> They're both very talented athletes. Oh, yeah. And well, I, Kim Jong-un more than Dennis Rodman. Of course. I mean, when's the last time you shot an 18 on an 18-hole golf course? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say never, Brittany Page. Yeah, I've never golfed. Well, so. <laughs> then you for sure haven't. But Kim yeah. Jong-un mm-hmm. has hit 18 holes in one. Yeah. It's in tremendous, yeah. It's very impressive. He's an amazing force of nature. Yeah, so they're best friends, even though Kim Jong-un um, kills people and uh, starves his people. And they love each other and have a great relationship. So Dennis Rodman has offered his services Oh, is what's happening here. And the foreign policy, the crisis, it's over. We, we're not going to have war. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Um, why can't we be friends? It's going to be playing in the background when Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump shake hands because Dennis Rodman is going to bring them together. Yes. And while you're listening to this clip of him explaining in his bizarre all over the place kind of a way, imagine him in a glitter, a stained glittery tank top And also, ask yourself this. Why the fuck won't he clear his throat? It's an unlikely connection. Um, How on earth have you become friends with the North Korean leader? And what sort of influence do you think you have over him? Well, it's not all about that. It was the fact that um, he loves basketball. And uh, I think that's the key for anything in the world, basketball and music. I think that's a great connection. 
for anyone in the world. <clears throat> but uh, I know for me, when I'm thinking about what can heal my relationship, <laughs> I always go to basketball. Yeah. Isn't that your go-to? It's what brings everybody together. When you were doing therapy, <laughs> Brittany, when you had clients yeah, that you would yeah. see. It's the first thing that I would talk say, to listen, I am in a deep depression. I feel yeah. bad about my life and I'm contemplating doing bad things. I would say, did you watch the Lakers last did night? Did you see the basketball game? Yeah. That will cure all that ails you. Uh, so happen, it has to be me. You've spent a lot of time with Kim Jong-un. Is he mad? Is he stupid? How would you describe him as a human being? You know, it's, it's, it's amazing <clears throat> how we became <clears throat> such good friends with Russia all of a sudden, <clears throat> uh, with Donald Trump. And uh, for years and years over the uh, course of time, we became such a, uh, a good, uh, have a great relationship with Russia all of a sudden in America. But uh, with, uh, for some reason with uh, North Korea, we have a, a big issue. And um, for me to go over there to see him, as much as I have, I basically hang out with him all the time. He So again, the question was, <laughs> how would you describe Kim Jong-un as a person? And that was like 45 seconds about Russia. Listen. And uh, I don't even know what he said. Do you well, know what he said about Russia? I, this is exactly what he said. <clears throat> we live. We sing karaoke. We do a lot of cool things together. <laughs> and we ride horses. We hang out. We go skiing. And uh, we, we hardly ever talk politics. And that's a good thing about that. To me, I think <clears throat> if, <clears throat> if, um, if the president even tries to reach out for Kim, I think it would be a great possibility things can happen. If Donald Trump, if they can sit down and have some type of mutual conversation it don't have to be like a friendship conversation, just a mutual conversation saying, hi, uh, I would love to, you know, engage in some in some words in politics and over the history <laughs> of, of your country, my country, and just try to start some dialogue. I think that uh, that'll open a, maybe, a, you know, the door just a little bit. Well, but the problem, Dennis, is this, is that Kim Jong-un runs an incredibly repressive regime. Millions and millions of North Koreans live in abject uh, poverty. They're millions completely, have died in millions starvation. Millions have died. They're, they're completely brainwashed. Uh, he is a dictator in many ways. You present a completely different picture of this guy. He, he threatens to incinerate America on a regular basis. You know, there are understandable... <laughs> well, I mean, you laugh, Dennis, but to many Americans... He's a repressive this is, dictator this is not a laughing matter. who sends his opponents to the gulag. Right. I mean, you've spent time with him. And again, I just ask you, Try and explain well, to us why why you don't think he's a danger and a threat, because you clearly don't. What is it about his character that you think is reassuring? Well, I'm not def I'm not defending um, uh, the marshal of North Korea. I'm not defending him. I'm not. Def Notice that right there. The clip's almost over. We got 28 seconds left. Now he's starting to refer to him as the marshal of North Korea. He's starting to like bestow upon him titles of respect. Indeed, the fact that uh, what he does uh, as far as his country and his leadership, uh, I think that uh, I think he has been passed a throne from his uh, grandfather and his father. I think uh, a lot of people say the grandfather was, was worse than the father and the father is worse than the marshal today. And I just think the fact that I got to hope. I got to hope that the fact that we can actually try to come have some type of happy medium 
Yeah, I agree with Dennis Rodman. I think that Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un should come together and Donald Trump should say, quote, I want to engage with some words about politics. (laughs) That seems like it would be great. Hey, Kim Jong-un, I would like to engage in some words about some politics. Yeah. That doesn't sound like something Donald Trump could articulate. So that was Pierce Morgan, by the way. And there was a point in this interview where he was saying Can they be dual asshole of today? Yeah, there was a point in the interview where he said, uh, you know, he knows Donald Trump because they were on Celebrity Apprentice. And Donald Trump isn't what people think he is. So is Pierce Morgan. On Celebrity Apprentice. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, and Dennis Rodman. Yeah, so Pierce Morgan was talking about Donald Trump and how Donald Trump isn't what everyone thinks he is in person when you get to know him and tried to use that angle to get Dennis Rodman to talk about what Kim Jong-un is really like in person as though there is really a side to Kim Jong-un that is this beautiful humanitarian who is so giving and kind. I mean, what kind of answer is he looking for? Uh, It's Kim Jong-un. Listen, kumbaya basketball will bring us all together, Brittany Page. Yeah. How can you deny that logic, that rock-solid logic? Excuse me, that rock-solid logic. He just has a cold. Don't you think that's what it is? Yeah. No, no, I don't think that's what it is, but I'm saying (laughs) something's going on there. Yeah, whatever. We'll leave it up to you to decide. Listen, we're going to end it there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. As I always say, if you have not reviewed the show and I know there are thousands of you who have not reviewed the show, go to iTunes, leave a rating, at least a rating. That's just a click. And if you really feel good about us, type out a little, a little review, a little, little review of what you think of the show. That would be awesome. We would love for that. And also, if you are ready to step on board and join the Patreon family and start helping produce, helping support the show financially, we would love that. We would celebrate that. In fact, we have a brand new Patreon supporter. Eveline. Eveline. Thank you very much. Thank you. You are a rock star. I will be sending out the email for the Zoom hangout. Yeah. uh, Tomorrow. And we are going to be sending out the next batch of stickers this week. That does not mean the hangout is tomorrow. That means I'm sending the email out to let you know when the hangouts are tomorrow. Just to clarify that very imprecise language. If you would like to sound off, communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. As always, we love you. We thank you for joining us. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Haha, <laughs> you know, North Dakota. <laughs>